Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to all of you. I'm Metta Bukajola, and you're listening to ICANN's music theory program, The Shape of Music. Welcome back to The Shape of Music, a five-part series where we take you through the magic of music, how it works, and what makes it sound so good. Last episode, we took a look at rhythm, the heartbeat of music. Today, we're going to build off of what we learned last week and talk about melody, the part of music that is most recognizable when you think of a tune. But before we move on to our new lesson, let's recap what we learned last time, rhythm. We defined rhythm as the space between notes, a pattern that keeps it all together. We also discovered that rhythm exists not only in music, but in much of the world around us. A few examples are how the changing of seasons is a pattern, and so is our heartbeat. We talked about how there are so many types of rhythms and that tempo, loudness, and the instrument are some ingredients that are used to cook up a rhythm. We studied different styles of rhythm from around the world and we got a taste for how each culture uses the same ingredients to craft different musical meals. Then we delved into more technical business. When reading and playing music, we deal with whole, half, quarter, and eighth notes. There are two half notes in a whole note, two quarter notes in a half note, and two eighth notes in a quarter note. Finally, we discussed time signatures, which organize all of these types of notes in bars or measures. We worked with the 4-4 time signature, which means that in every bar, there are four beats and that the quarter note is worth one beat. At the end of the last episode, I asked for a favor. I asked you to record yourselves playing your very own rhythms and email them to sarah at allclassical.org. Before we move any further, here are your submissions. Hi, my name is Luke, and this is my rhythm. Okay, that was a great drum pattern. I love how sharp those beats sound. Here's a submission from Mehmet in Beaverton. Here is my rhythm. One, two, three, four, five. One. Nice work! Stomping is a great way to communicate rhythm, and you could hear how much it carried through in his voice as well. He was really keeping a strong tempo there. Lastly, we have a submission from Aslahan, also from Beaverton. Great beat! She kept it simple and to the point. Thanks to everybody who submitted a video. If you would like to be featured on one of our next episodes, stay tuned for the end of this lesson where I'll explain how you could submit a video of yourself. Alright, I hope you're all excited to move on to some new content. Today's lesson is on melody, which I personally find is the most fun part of music. 
Leonard Bernstein, world-renowned musician in the 20th century, once called melody the meat and potatoes of music. What he meant is that if music were a meal, melody would be the main course, the entree. And that would mean rhythm is the plate, organizing the meat and potatoes so that it's made easy to consume. Let's talk about a few of the places you hear our friend, Melody. We've all had trouble falling asleep, and when that was the case, our parents would sing us to sleep or maybe play us a lullaby. Here is one melody I'm sure you're all familiar with. See, it's pretty effective. Here's another that you've surely heard. So there's one type of melody, the ones that bring you peace and put you to sleep. What else? Melody is also really helpful helping us retain or remember information. Here's an example. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. I can almost guarantee that none of you would know the alphabet as well as you do if it weren't for this melody. Here's another educational tune that you might have heard. January, February, March, and April, May, June, July, and August, September, October, November, December. These are the months of the year. Another popular function of melody is as a folk song. Folk songs are tunes that are meant to be part of a nation's identity or culture, or a tune that started as a part of pop culture. Every culture has its own folk songs. Yuki no Hama is a Japanese folk song. It translates to snowflower and is about watching the first snowfall of the year with a loved one. Green Sleeves was originally a British folk song, and when Britain built colonies in North America, it became an American folk song. Green Sleeves was composed by British King Henry VIII for his future wife, Anne Boleyn. It sure doesn't sound like your classic love song, but it stuck around for over 400 years because of how catchy it is. A vous dirage maman is a French folk song from 1740 about suffering. I know that sounds kind of dark, but it's a very bright sounding melody. You've actually heard it at least twice already today.
have you figured it out yet? Mind-blowing, right? I was shocked the first time I realized that these were the same exact melody. Let's take a brief detour to the past to figure out how this one melody now has so many uses. The original melody comes from the French version, which Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart wrote variations on. A variation is when you take a melody and spice it up a little bit. Here are some examples of Mozart's variations. You can hear the original melody behind the variation in your head because it's a very similar tune. So this one melody is a lullaby, an educational song used to teach kids the alphabet, and a folk song at the same time. There you go! That's some trivia you can think about the next time you're trying to remember what the 14th letter of the alphabet is. This goes to show how melodies are so much more than sounds. There is something about them that makes them transcend time. That's part of the magic of music. Throughout the rest of the program, we're going to talk more about this magic. For now, let's get back to melody. Melody has two parts to it, rhythm and pitch. We've already spent a whole episode talking about rhythm, so by now you are all experts on it. Pitch, on the other hand, is a new concept. Pitch is how high or low a sound is. Ignition sequence starts. Six, a spaceship one, taking off zero, has a low pitch. A train whistle has a high pitch. So does a singing bird. Something really cool about pitch is that our voices are all programmed with it. As we grow up, the pitch of our voices change. Think about it. When you talk, you have a much higher pitch than when an adult talks. This is what I imagine myself sounding like a few decades down the line. And this is probably closer to what I sounded like when I was much younger. Now that I think about it, it just sounds like I've sucked up a whole lot of helium. This is starting to get a bit scary. Let's just get my voice back to normal. 
I'm going to play some pitches and you're going to tell me if it's low or if it's high. That was a clip of soldiers marching in rhythm. Bum, 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 bum. It's a low pitch. That was a clip of someone hitting a gong, a huge metallic disc drum. It's hit in the middle and vibrations travel from the center all around the disc through the metal and a very low sound comes out. That was a clip of an arrow whistling by after being let go from a bow. It's a high pitch. Now we're going to switch it up a bit. I'll play a series of pitches and it's your job to figure out the order of lows and highs. Now that we can handle rhythm and pitch separately, let's put them together to make melody. Here's a rhythm we looked at last episode. Sounds kind of boring, right? Now, what if we add some pitches to it? It sounds a lot more fun. That's the whole idea behind Melody. It's the friend who brightens the room. It's the peanut butter to rhythm's jelly. Great, you're starting to figure out what low and high pitches sound like. Now we can do some more interactive activities so you can really start to understand pitch beyond low and high sounds. If you go to icanradio.org slash shape of music, Again, that's icanradio.org backslash shape of music. You'll find a tab called modules where you'll see resources for the second episode on melody. There you'll see a document called the musical staircase. Print it out so you can build it for yourself or follow along with the electronic copy. In music, we organize pitches in groupings of usually seven distinct pitches called scales. These scales are eight notes and we call the space from the first to the eighth note an octave. Think octopus. Octopi have eight legs and an octave has eight notes. Also, every pitch has a name so we can easily interpret it. The names we give pitches are letters in the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Next time won't you sing with me? This makes up what we call the musical alphabet. It's the universal music language, which means musicians will understand it no matter where you go in the world. In our musical alphabet, we have seven basic notes to use as our color palette. Here's the note A, for example. It's one of the seven basic notes. We can make each of these seven notes a slightly lower or slightly higher pitch. We call it flat for low and sharp for high. This is A to A flat. And this is A to A sharp. It's a small difference, but it makes all the difference when hearing and playing music. 
These sharps and flats are called accidentals, and there are five of them. So in the entire musical alphabet, there are 12 unique notes, seven regular and five accidental. That's a whole lot easier than most alphabets around the world, especially the English one, where there are 26 letters, not 12, in the alphabet. This xylophone we heard earlier, for example, is playing a C. It's pretty cool to start internalizing that the sounds we hear in our everyday lives have more identities than one. Every sound has a pitch, even if we don't think of it as music. What most people hear as a bird chirping can also be heard as a high A, for example. This is further proof that music is always present. Today, we're going to be using the C major scale to craft our staircase. The objective here is to show you that there aren't just low and high pitches, there's a whole spectrum of them. Along this spectrum are different scales, or groupings of pitches, to help us organize our music. The first step of the staircase says C, and then 262 hertz. This is what it sounds like. The number associated with the HZ, or hertz, is called the frequency. This is a really interesting connection between science and music. So all sound comes out in invisible waves that hit our ears. Every pitch is a different sized wave, so they each have their unique frequencies. Don't worry about it too much though, I just added it as a cool representation of how the way we organize music is actually based on science. The next pitch is D. This is our second step, and the second note in the C major scale which we are building. It sounds like this. So far, we have two steps, C and D. Now comes E, then F. So far, we have C, D, E, F. You might be noticing a pattern here. The notes we're using go in the same order as the alphabet. How neat is that? Next comes G, the fifth note in the C major scale. We're going to be talking a lot about this fifth note in a later episode, but for our purposes right now, it's just G. Then comes A. You might have been expecting H, but the musical alphabet differs from the regular alphabet. In the next episode, we'll be going more into that, but for now, just take my word for it. After G comes A. You can see we're almost reaching the top. The last unique note is B. And finally, there is C again, completing the scale. Here's the whole scale. Notice how this C has a different pitch than the first C? That's because when you go up the scale, or the stairs, you reach the end of one octave and the beginning of the next one. 
We'll be talking a lot more about what octaves and different groupings of pitches mean in the next episode. But for today, you've learned all we have in store for you. Before we wrap it up, let's do a quick review. Melody is made up of rhythm and pitch. Rhythm is the structure that keeps it together, and pitch is how high or low a sound is. Together, they're like peanut butter and jelly. They make the perfect meal. And these melodies are all around us, whether they're putting us to sleep, teaching us, or just overall giving us a good time. Then we learned about the musical alphabet, which consists of seven unique notes and five accidentals. Finally, we talked about scales. A scale is one of the ways we use this alphabet, and it's like an eight-step staircase which takes us along the spectrum of low and high pitches. For next week, there's another short assignment that could get you featured on the next episode. Last week, I asked you to record yourself playing a rhythm, and this week, I'm asking you to record yourself playing a melody. Adults, you can help out too. Once you've recorded the clip, email it to sarah at allclassical.org. Remember, a melody is any combination of rhythm and pitch, so don't overthink it. Let the music flow out of you and see what happens. This episode was written and recorded by me and produced by Sarah Zwinklis, with music by Nathaniel Wyvern, Scott Holmes, Poddington Bear, and me. Special thanks to Sarah and Dr. Ann Young for helping out with the outline for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Metabakujolo, and I will see you all next time on The Shape of Music, where we will go over the keyboard, the next step to becoming masters of music theory.